doors. So many closed doors. Like the disciples who were locked away in the upper room after Jesus' death, we too might feel that all hope is lost in this present time. But on this morning, on this morning, the stone that sealed the tomb where Jesus was laid to rest didn't sit idle. And as it broke free from its resting place, Jesus conquered death itself. Good morning, Christ Church. So glad to have you here this morning to be worshiping with you once again. It's so glad. This is Christ Church, a church about lifting lives, elevating Christ to church for those who aren't here yet. I'm Pastor Andy, one of the pastors here, and uh, we are wrapping up a sermon series today. You've timed it well. Uh, today is the exclamation point on what we started so long ago back on Easter Sunday. We started a sermon series that we call Living Room Easter. And today we are wrapping it up. It is, in fact, the end of that series. And Endings are meaningful. Endings are substantial. Endings are kind of a big moment to be able to, to look back over the whole. And in fact, we're not only ending the series, but we are going to be examining today the ending of John's gospel. Just a quick reminder for you, a gospel is a life-hand, life, first-hand, life, death, and resurrection account of Jesus Christ. And so it's what people have remembered and passed on from generation to generation of Christians so we can understand who Jesus is. We know who he is by experiencing him and hearing him speak to us through these gospels. And how those Gospels end is really important. It helps us look back at the larger lens of how we understand Jesus, his ministry, his life, death, and resurrection. Endings matter. You already kind of know that. I mean, most of the time when it comes to an ending, endings have that single final experience, right? I know there's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy out there where there's like four or five false endings. I'm talking about a real ending the ending of a relationship, the ending of a career, the ending of a chapter and stage in life. Endings matter because they become the lens through which you look through to see the whole experience. And so when we look at the ending of John's gospel today, it's actually pretty profound, and it shapes the entire way we interpret and understand Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. Now, before I get ahead of myself, let me tell you a little bit about the context because we are jumping into the end of the story. Just previously, Jesus was crucified and then Easter Sunday, he's risen again. We celebrated how he comes back from the dead, back from the grave, and then he proceeds to visit with his disciples. He starts hanging out with the people that he loves and cherishes who had followed him and been those people he had taught and then poured into for so many years. Jesus is appearing to them over and over again, and there's one specific appearance that we've been tracking on a little bit more lately. He appears to one of his disciples. He, in fact, appears to a group, but then he has a kind of a heart-to-heart -heart with one particular disciple, uh, Simon Peter. Simon Peter is one of Jesus' disciples from the beginning, a follower kind of from the start, from the get-go. And, and, and Jesus has some really profound things to say to and for Simon Peter. He asks him three questions, and then when Peter gives his answer, Jesus commissions Peter three times, telling him and charging him with, with spreading the good news and caring for the church and 
really beginning the worldwide movement that we now know is Christianity. A lot of it can be traced back to this experience where Jesus pours into and loves on Simon Peter. So after he commissions him to go and spread Christianity to the world, Jesus wraps up and concludes his statements with today's text. It comes out of John chapter 21, and we're going to pick up at verse 18. Let's dive in. This is Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, and you went wherever it is that you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to him, to let him know the way in which the kind of death that he would experience that brings glory to God. And then Jesus finishes with this. Jesus says, follow me. Peter, he turns around, he sees another disciple behind them, the one that Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the Last Supper and, and said, Jesus, who is it that's going to betray you? It's from an earlier story in the gospel. And Peter asked Jesus a question about that guy. He says, Jesus, Lord, what about him, Lord? What about that guy? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. The Gospel of John ends with this little phrase, an epilogue, if you will. He says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. And that is the ending of the Gospel of John. It's interesting the way John ends his account. When John tries to put pen to paper and finish this incredible story, he does so reiterating and emphasizing the call of discipleship. It's a fancy word, but basically John ends with what it means to hear, follow me from Jesus. Follow me from Jesus. Now, when you and I use that phrase to follow someone in today's culture, um, you know, it means something different. When Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't talking about like, subscribe, and smash the, the, the bell for notifications, okay? Like, that, that's not what he was going for. Though, shameless plug, if you'd like to like, subscribe, and smash the bell for notifications for Christ Church, now is a great time to do that. Shameless plug. I'll own it. But that's not quite what Jesus was talking about in that moment and in that story, right? Jesus wasn't on Instagram. He was talking about discipleship, being a disciple. It's a fancy Christian word that we throw around a lot if you hang out in churches. Disciple a follower, a student, a learner, one who learns from and pursues the master, the teacher, the Lord, a disciple. Now, some of you who were 
from the get-go in Christianity. Let's say you were born into a Christian family, born and raised with the whole Christian thing, and you're familiar with that word, discipleship, and you know this whole phrase and this idea that Jesus says, follow me, right? But do you really? Have you ever paused and truly considered what it is to have Jesus say to you, follow me, the way that he spoke to Peter? Have you allowed culture to shape the ways in which you define Jesus' Christianity and the call to discipleship? It's a good question to ask. Maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing. Maybe you're just kind of testing the waters, hearing about it, poking around. You don't have any idea what it means to follow Jesus yet. If that's you, that's okay. You're actually in great company. You're in Peter's company. You see, before the end of the Gospel of John, in the very beginning of the Gospel accounts, when Jesus is just getting going, Jesus walks up to this fisherman named Simon, and he says, Simon, from now on, your name will be Peter. Follow me. <laughs> Simon Peter didn't know what he was getting into. He was a fisherman. And yet Jesus had spoken those two profound words to him. Jesus had reached out and grabbed a hold of his life and laid claim to him, called him, laid a stake on Peter's life and future. Peter didn't know quite what was in store, and he would spend the next three to four years of his life following Jesus, literally covered in the dust of his rabbi, chasing after those sandals in the dust, looking and learning and seeing where Jesus would lead. Now, what it means to follow depends a great deal on who it is that you're following. It's kind of common sense. You already know that, whether you've had a good, ba good boss, a bad boss, good experiences following people, or bad experiences following people. What it looks like and what it means to follow someone depends a great deal on who it is that is actually leading. In Peter's case, Peter is hearing this message, follow me, from Jesus. When Jesus first spoke those two words to Peter, and Peter began to follow Jesus, Jesus would lead him on this crazy, incredible, unexpected journey, a journey of life and of faith. Jesus would lead Peter to great moments of ministry. He would lead him to the unexpected places of sitting beside sinners and tax collectors. Peter would follow Jesus to the crowds and to the masses. He would follow him to where poor people and sick people and hurting people would dwell and desire hope and restoration and renewal. Peter followed Jesus to moments of miracles and provision, wonder and awe. Peter followed Jesus to Jerusalem and would sit at Jesus' feet listening to the teachings. Peter followed Jesus to the cross, to the moment in time where Jesus would be crucified after being held on trial by the local government. 
Peter followed Jesus to the tomb and laid Jesus' body on a stone slab. Peter would also follow Jesus into resurrection Easter morning. He would hear that call, follow me here now from a risen living Jesus, reiterating, reaffirming, reestablishing for Peter. Peter, you're my disciple. Follow me. For Peter, that meant not only the moments and experiences he had already had as a follower of Jesus, but it would set him on a continued trajectory out into the rest of the world, starting that movement of Christianity. Peter, from this moment on, would, would begin to preach and teach about Jesus. He would begin to share with others the stories and the witnessing that he had been experiencing while following Jesus. Peter would literally travel the world planting churches and starting Christianity with the other disciples. Now, even as I say that, though, as Peter traveled the world, it also meant that Peter would experience persecution for following Jesus. Peter would be hated, spit upon, arrested, beaten, stoned, ridiculed, for following Jesus. Peter would spend his life following Jesus, living and giving and self-sacrificing, just as Jesus taught him, just as Jesus did for him. But make no mistake, just as following Jesus led Peter to Jesus' cross, following Jesus led Peter to Peter's own cross. Hearing follow me from Jesus meant for Peter that one day Peter would stretch out his hands and be led to a place where he did not want to go to his own death. Having been convicted of being a rabble rouser and a rebel, an instigator, a radical follower of Jesus. Following Jesus for Peter meant crucifixion, a literal cross for Peter as well. <laughs> Peter was actually, according to tradition, crucified upside down at his own request because he did not feel worthy of being crucified in the same manner as his Lord and Savior, Jesus This is why Jesus said this to him, to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Crucifixion. And notice, right after Jesus says that, he says once more, follow me. Having heard all of this, I don't know about you, but I'm left with a very important and significant question. Why? 
Like, why in your right mind would you follow this Jesus guy? I mean, seriously, sign me up for persecution and, and being arrested and being spit on and being ridiculed and crucifixion? Are you kidding me? Why would I follow Jesus? Seriously, Peter, why in the world did you follow this radical rabbi Jew named Jesus? Why? It's true that following Jesus will lead to the cross. A cross for him and those that would follow him. As we crucify our desires, our needs, and our wants for the sake and the well-being of others, just like Jesus did. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to discipleship. Make no mistake. And, and just as you follow Jesus to the cross, so also we follow him into life after death. We follow him into resurrection. We follow him into Easter morning. We follow Jesus Christ into a new life and a new identity filled with new purposes, filled with God and God's intent for the future. This means that when you follow Jesus, you do indeed crucify your norms and expectations that others would put on you. <laughs> Following Jesus is both a command, a demand, follow me, but it is also a gift. It is a gift in so much as that we don't have to worry about following all the other pressures and all the other expectations and all the other voices that continually assail us. When you follow Jesus, you don't have to worry about how many people like and subscribe and follow you. You don't have to worry about propping your life up on digital social media in some way that looks nice and bright and shiny. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Why? You follow Jesus now. You follow him and his plans and purposes for you. You, you don't have to follow the cultural voices and pressures to, to follow the American dream and, and have a, a three-car garage with a white picket fence. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. You get to chase down the dreams that Jesus has for you. You get to spend your life ministering and loving the least of these, the outcasts, the poor, the marginalized, the hurting, the broken, just like Jesus, just like Peter. Parents out there, you don't have to worry anymore about raising your kid in such a way that they have straight 4.0s, they're in a million activities, and they're being fast-tracked to one of the Ivy League schools or MIT. 
That's not your priority or concern anymore. You don't have to worry about that anymore. The pressure that comes with being a perfect, shiny parent. You don't have to worry about that. You follow Jesus Christ. And following Jesus means that when you parent your children, your greatest hope, your greatest desire and aspiration is bringing them along with you on this great, incredible journey of faith and faithfulness. You get to cultivate in your children compassion and kindness and self-sacrifice, solidarity and awareness, generosity and love. You get to cultivate Jesus in your children. Following Jesus means that you don't have to worry about getting a raise at work, having a, a six-figure salary. You don't have to worry about that. Why? Because following Jesus means that your priorities and your concerns and your heart has less to do with getting a raise yourself and finding ways that you can raise up the people you work beside, raise up and, and serve the organization that you're a part of, raise up the business and the level of ethics and integrity that comes with working and serving in a business marketplace environment. You get to lift lives of those around you as you elevate Christ in your workplace. If you're, if you're an employer and you have employees, your bottom line is not profit anymore. Your bottom line is people. Providing for those that have been entrusted into your care. Stewarding and managing the business in such a way as to bless those that work for you and by blessing them and serving them, they in turn get to bless and provide and serve their families and their communities. Following Jesus means loving and serving and giving unto others, being radically generous, being hospitable, kind. And you no longer have to feel the pressure anymore of making life all about you. You you get to follow Jesus Christ as he walks into the future that he has prepared. And you get to join him and all the saints who have gone before us as we lean into resurrection, new life personally and publicly for our families, our communities, our world. Make no mistake, like Peter, Jesus is saying to you, follow me. Jesus is laying claim of your life. He's putting a stake in the ground around you. He is choosing you to be his disciple, following him. He is giving you the gift this morning of his love, 
and his future. And he's speaking to you saying two simple words. Follow me. Those words were spoken to the first disciples. They were spoken to Peter. Peter would then speak those same words, inviting and telling more and more people to follow Jesus. He would spend his life doing that. And those that heard that call would hand it on from generation to generation of Christians around the entire world throughout time and space. As Jesus called more and more people to follow him. And he continues to call people today to call you. Jesus is saying, follow me. All that's left is a question. What does it mean? What does it mean to hear, follow me, from Jesus Christ for you, for your life, for your past, present, and future? Because Jesus has spoken it this morning and laid claim of your life. Follow me. To close, what I'd like to do is pray with you. Spend some time ending our series and ending our sermon. Praying and asking and inviting God to help us follow him in a faithful and loving way. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, holy and sanctifying spirit, loving, gracious, kind, self-sacrificing Christ. We, your people, we pray to you this morning. We give you our praise and our thanksgiving. We worship you in word and in song and in deed. We celebrate you. We celebrate Easter. We celebrate resurrection and new life. And we celebrate the pervasiveness the strength of your call, the strength of your claim on us, your people. We celebrate and embrace what it means to hear you speak, just as you spoke to Peter, two simple words to us this morning. You tell us to follow you. And so give us the good courage that we need, the tenacity, the determination, the humility, the kindness, the patience, the generosity, the provision, the passion, and the mission. Give us the strength to carry on following after you into the future that you have prepared. Jesus, we thank you for the call and claim that you have spoken over our lives as we seek to follow after you. We pray this all in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. I invite you to join us as we respond to the message.